0: Hey, welcome back to Season 4 of Pigeon Hockey Podcast, a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. This is Chris and today's co-host, Heath.
1: What's up, everybody?
0: And you know us, we don't claim to be hockey experts, but rather just a couple of attendees that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On this episode, we want to welcome our special guest, head coach for the USPHL premiere San Diego Sabres, Nick Perez. Coach, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, guys. Appreciate you guys uh, letting me on. I you know I've been listening to you guys for a while now, so I feel honored uh, to be on.
0: No, thanks for taking the time to jump on today. I know that was great for Heat to coordinate uh, you being able to jump on and talk about the only team right now in the West that hasn't released one player for our draft to look at. Just taking that early shot. <laughs> but hopefully those names will be dropping soon, and maybe by the time you listeners actually hear this, uh, you'll be able to see the whole roster on Elite Prospects. But, uh, no, we really do appreciate you uh, jumping on today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, yeah, Heat, me and him go back from last season. Obviously, one of my uh... – one of my guys go to guys that, you know, you know, he's very good kid and obviously he's gotten to where he's gotten in hockey because of his his work ethic and just being himself. So, um, and obviously going back to the roster list, yes, we will be, you know, dropping some, some names pretty soon. Um, we were supposed to last, you know, start of the week on Monday, but I think we're going to go into it, um, Start next week, so we're we're kind of a secretive team. Me and uh, Dominic, our GM, we kind of keep stuff kind of private. You know, we don't want we don't want guys knowing what know what talent we're bringing to, to the to the, the season. So, <laughs> oh,
0: come on, Dom. I, like, I me and Dom had a conversation wow. at the Las Vegas Showcase. I thought he'd be able to say something.
2: <laughs> yeah, Dom was very. He's like, "What do you what do you think about this?" And I said, "You know what? I really agree about that. I, I like it." So,
1: that's. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, coach, uh, tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about more about yourself and kind of your hockey journey and how it kind of got you to this point.
2: Yeah. Um, obviously I grew up in, uh, in Long Beach, California, not the ideal, um, hockey, um, town, but luckily enough my mom, um, she worked for body glove, um, when I was younger, body glove, obviously the surf, um, wetsuit company that kind of blew up at one point and they were going under at one point i believe after you know four years when she was there and then mission hockey uh had started and Mm my mom my mom knew one of the guys who left um body gloves to work for mission hockey in you know in the i forgot what department he, he worked in but yeah she worked for you know, she was the money side so luckily enough she had got mission hockey and when i was a kid uh, i played you know some sports here and there and they gave me some uh roller skates so luckily enough that i got skates and from free gear for mission and i played a little ymca actually um you know in that area ymca in long beach Keith mm-hmm. uh, actually knows from the shredders that that was a workout facility There's actually – it's a pool now. The rink's gone.
1: Yeah, it is.
2: Yeah, it used to be a little older rink. It was tiny, but it was, you know, it was great. And actually, I grew up playing. uh, Rocco Grimaldi actually played there too when I was a kid. So I met him when I was younger. Um, So I think the youth in the California time, it was YMCA was a big thing. Emerson Edom, obviously, um, you know, um, from the shredders. He played at a local YMCA also, but so yeah, that took off from there. And then growing up, like I said ice hockey wasn't a big thing, so we, we found a trick sick handling. And then I an indoor um, hockey league, and then um, I played Norwalk. Um, Norwalk is no longer have a team or a rink, I believe. It was an old school rink that had um, fencing as their glass. Oh. There was no no glass. It was just fence, <laughs> um, and I still actually have my puck from the first goal I scored. It was from the blue line as a defenseman. Obviously, that's a big deal. But the blue line was you know the hash marks pretty much of an actual rink because it was such a small rink. So yeah, um, yeah, we won states. That actually my first year of travel hockey, which was yeah Norwalk, and then moved on to uh, El Segundo. It was called the Regents. And that's no longer a team either, which now they are the junior Kings. So it's at the Kings facility, the training facility they have in El Segundo. Uh-huh. Um, that was our rink. And it was brand new at the time, too. This was, I had to have been about probably, I want to say eight years old, nine years old, those squirts. Um, so after that, kind of took off with the two years in one state. And I, at that point, I knew that hockey was something I loved and I wanted to go further with it so that was you know might a and then squirt a and then decided you know to, to play squirt uh, double a and that's when i met emerson actually from the shredders who i coached with last year last two years um we played the ice dogs and obviously the ice dogs are a team still um but it's a different uh organization now from where where it was but ice dogs were thing. um and we also we took second states that year, and then after that, I kind of became um, a wave, a wave kid, uh, California Wave. It used to be Westminster Wave at uh, one point. Now California Wave down, which obviously the, the wave have a you know, I have a soft spot for the wave. I grew up with you know the coaches with Jeff Turcott, Mike Lewis, Sean Pitcher, you know all these great coaches in the wave organization they really helped me develop my game uh and you know i can't thank them enough obviously mike lewis is in lake tahoe and with the prep camps, I, you know, I i see him you know every probably twice a year we, we chat when we when we have time and um i can't thank him enough for what he did for me grow up in california because california like i said was not a hot hot bed for hockey um, after the wave LA selects were a big thing too. At the time, there were a lot of kids that, you know, AAA was, I made AA my first year and then made AAA the second year of LA selects. It was a time after that year that I had, a, I, I was doing some camps back East for the summer with uh, Dale Dunbar and actually his co-partner or his co in the time was Bobby Orr, which I was thankful enough to be a part of that, which was great, you know, working with defensemen and you know, honing my skills back East, which was great. You know, getting more competition back East, like the West Coast was great, but hockey back East at the time was just way better. So I was lucky enough to do that. And then I had uh, played with Nike Bauer Selects. Um, Well, actually I I had a friend who played with them. They were out of Chicago and it was a full, you know, sponsored team, you know, when Nike Bauer was a thing, you know, (laughs) um, they had the uh, idea to make a sponsored team. You know, for, I want to say it was Pee-wee's, Bantam's, and Midget's. And I was lucky enough to play on the Bantam team. Uh, I had a friend who got hurt and they asked if they can get a replacement. And luckily enough, he called me, uh, Brendan Carlson. He, he played, ended up playing at the WHL, but I took a spot and I ended up staying uh, with a team all summer, which was great. Actually, Tyler Sagan was a part of that team which was pretty cool obviously you know what he's done in his career and then the coach you know Cavallini he um he was he lived in Chicago at the time he coached the mission in Chicago and he played for the Blues so he ended up wanting to go back to St. Louis and starting the St. Louis Selects. I believe there's still a team right?
1: I believe so if I'm not mistaken.
2: It's been so long obviously so um yeah we've or the first year we uh, started the St. Louis Select. So I was a part of the first season of that organization. It was great. You know, um, the Junior Blues and us were obviously um, rivals, and, and, and it was great being in the Midwest playing hockey. So um, I loved it. And then came knocking was uh, Colorado for the Team Rocky Mountain. is now the Rough Riders i believe it's the, mm-hmm. uh yes and then back in the day it was team rocky mountain was we were red and white we had detroit jerseys so there's no green involved at all it was just red and white and i loved it you know i love the jerseys and I had, I had a good time in colorado too so i you know um it was a lot different from st louis and you know being from the west coast i think Colorado's kind of on that verge, you know, close enough to California that I thought it would be kind of similar, but it was way different. Maybe learn to live in the woods and, you know, kind of be a a rugged person, I guess you can say. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. So 18, yeah, I went up to the BTHL to the Surrey Eagles. I was actually guaranteed a spot, obviously, by the coach. And the day before we get to camp, he gets fired. So the defensive coach took over. he's not like me he didn't like my my style of play i was more offensive with ability of you know i love to hit guys and i just love getting a mix and he didn't like that too much i don't know why maybe i was a california kid that was playing in, in a canadian style hockey that he didn't like so um i only lasted a few games there i went to coquitlam the express for also a few games and then um, ended up going to the SJHL, which I had a spot. I went and tried out for the Melville Millionaires, um, landed a, a spot, and I looked around with my mom, and I said, there's no way I can play here. And that was before Melville obviously now has a great building. That was actually the year before I got there that they were still playing in their old, in their old barn, which had drippings every two seconds that would almost rain on top of your head. Oof. And, yeah, it was an old barn, but it had some history to it. I just, in the area at the time, obviously being so young, I just told myself that you know, I couldn't live in this small, small town. And obviously it was, you know, there there were fights happening. And, you know, I, I got my, I had to get my ass kicked once. And then, you know, I was like, okay, it wasn't too bad. But I was taken over. I was like, I just can't. I can't live. I'm I'm not the rugged guy for this league. You know, at the time it was more of a fighting league, you know, before now, obviously fights are taken out a lot, but that was a fighting league at the time. Um, so I decided to go back, back West and I ended up playing in the KIJHL started out in Fernie Beaver Valley Nighthawks. Actually, they had a, um, a trade pen that had two years ago happened and, um, our coach, Terry Jones, he had a futures pick. Whatever he wanted for two years, he could pick. And on the last year, he actually saw me play once, and he picked me. So I was very lucky enough and very fortunate that he saw me play. I don't know how he saw me play, and I was like, I don't know what you saw in me, coach. I don't – you know, I, I maybe had an assist, but, you know, I didn't play that well, I didn't think. But um, I was very fortunate. I think Terry Jones is one of the best coaches I've ever had, and we still talk this day. I actually talked to him yesterday. Um, he still coaches up in the KIJHL. He's been there for over 30 years. He's done a lot, you know, a lot of great stuff and, and turned players, you know, even for my team, when I played in Beaver Valley, we won a championship. And that team, I think four of them went on to play at Quinnipiac uh, D1. So um, I know now it's junior A league, obviously, by the time it was junior B. But it was still, I think, I, I would put it up at the time, I put up a league that would play in the NHL at the time, that we would play in those teams and beat them. You know, people look at Junior B and think it's not respectable, but at that time it was booming. It was crazy. It was physical, uh, a lot of skill. I, I was lucky enough to my my skills an offensive defenseman and put up, you know, a, a decent amount of points. So luckily that worked out so well, but, you know, in my, in my, in my plays, I had eight concussions. Um, you know, I've all these all those years. I had a lot of concussions, and I was getting ready to pack them up and not play. You know, I had offers to play D three and all this. You know, these D one these D one club hockey, and I just wanted to hang them up at one point. And there was one coach that kept uh, coming to visit all the way from Michigan, Dan Phelps, um, Adrian College. He kept he came and visit every. I want to say every two months, he would come visit me and another player on a different team in our division in the KIJHL. He would constantly come visit. And, you know, I told myself, I'm done not I'm playing. i actually, I got enlisted in, in CIA culinary school in New York <laughs> um, after I was done playing junior hockey. And that was my, that was my, my, my next path in life was going to go cook. And I love, you know, in the kitchen, be a culinary guy and and I kept getting phone calls from this coach, Dan Phelps. Um, obviously, a great coach. We work for USA Hockey now, I believe. But, you know, he's a great coach, and he gave me the opportunity to go play. You know, it was it's ACHA Club Hockey, D1, but still, um, at the time, our, our team was fantastic. Um, we went, you know, with the Nationals every year. And obviously, now they've gotten so much better. They've won Natties twice, I believe, now. Um that, that college is, is just a is a hockey program, which is great. Mm-hmm. Grade school. It made me realize, you know, it was like, okay, I'm playing here. It's great. You know, we had great players. We had a guy named uh, Brad Coburn, I think, who has the most points in ACHAD one history, I believe, in a season. He was he put up 100 something points in, in a you know in a 40 game span, which was crazy at the time, mm-hmm. you know. But. Yeah, I had, you know, I, I played two years there. I loved it. I had still have some of my friends from college, our teammates and friends. And um, after that, I, I just, I was done playing hockey. It was two years and I had fun. And me- mentally, I was just not there for, you know, putting in a hundred percent effort. And I told, you know, I'm not the person that's not going to put a hundred percent in on the ice every day. If I can't do it, I'm not going to be a part of it. I can't let my teammates down and, you know, do that to myself, so... I decided to walk away and hang him up at that point because just mentally it was draining and and school wasn't a you know obviously if I was playing and you know love the game and I can you know focus on school but I'm not a school person I will admit you know so mm-hmm. so yeah and then obviously that was kind of the hockey career you know highlights of playing with a lot of great players like I mentioned you know with Tyler Sing and um, you know Sam Warning was a player played in St Louis he was great. A um, lot, 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 lot of, lot of guys. You know, Matt Nieto growing up in in California. You know, Emerson Rafael uh, Bo Bennett, all these guys who grew up in that era. And that was a time when I went to St. Louis. Was a time that everybody else was leaving California. Mm-hmm. So all the all the players that played AAA, everybody left California at the time. So I knew it was time for me to leave. <laughs> that's that's my hockey career, I guess, journey-wise.
0: Well, it's led you here. So uh, now you're the, uh, you know, you're taking the helm of the San Diego Sabres. How has all this previous playing experience and coaching experience prepared you for this role?
2: Um, I think, yeah, obviously, you know, we talked about, you know, playing with these guys growing up. And defense growing up, I was more, you know, obviously, I I, I was more of a physical player when I was younger. I was a little chubbier kid. So I learned how to, I, I would, my icons were, were Rob Blake and Scott. Stevens. So I love to go the hip check. I love to throw some dirty hits once in a while. I spent my time in the, in the, in the, in the, box as a young kid playing, you know, in Kiwis and stuff like that. And I learned from coaches like Mike Lewis and all the wave coaches that really helped me out. I know I, I was, I actually had a, a trainer, um, the USC football strength and conditioning trainer I worked out with him once a week um, which was good obviously once a week it's to me at the time was a lot I was you know, only a peewee but I learned a lot from you know from that from nutrition side and losing the weight and then learning from these coaches on um, you know my abilities on what to you know how to focus myself and and I learned a lot from these guys and, and I had a Russian coach about my my skating um, Constantine, he actually owns one of the rinks down here on SoCal. He helped me out a lot with my skating and you know I've you know learned that stuff and brought that to this team this year. So um, you know the, the, the wave coaches and, and my biggest you know coaching, I still talk to like I said, Terry Jones is one of my biggest you know idols and um, he has swim boys that um, he actually put, they went to Quinnipiac. they got they got drafted by Edmonton. Um, but I had learned from Terry Jones so much on how to be professional, how to grow up, how to be responsible, everything that, you know, a young boy playing junior hockey will learn. Obviously it's, it's a, it's a crucial time in your, in your, in your life to, to go away from home and play hockey, but going in a different country and learning different kinds of styles of hockey. Um, really helped me out. And I, you know, I bring that same attitude to the rink every day with these kids now and kind of no nonsense and make sure that everybody's in line. And, you know, obviously I, you know, I, I, I think Heath knows, obviously I'm a, a player's coach.
1: Yeah. I like, you know,
2: I like to, I like to have fun with the boys and, you know, make sure we joke around. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm actually putting a system into the, to the a locker room to where you punch in uh, you clock in and clock out. That's our mentality. Blue collar yeah. hockey. And, you clock in when you get to the rink. Um, you know, you put your numbers in, do your work, you clock out, and then we can have some fun. But when we're here, you know, we're in, we're in the gym, we're at the beach working out. It's it's serious time. And, and that way they learn, you know, that actually the first day there was um, a player, or not the first day, the second day we had actually a player who was a minute late. Um, and, you know, that's what it was. Fortunately, he had traffic, and I, I understand he lives kind of local. So, but the boys had to you know how to skate a little bit because I want these kids to grow up when it, you know, when it comes to nine to five job, I don't want them being late. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, I, I, strive to be for these, you know, for these, these young kids to make sure that they're on time, make sure that they're ready to go when it comes to hockey's not forever. Right. At one point, these guys got to realize that it's not forever. You can have fun with it unless you're going to play for, you know, a hundred years and make a lot of money. When it comes to getting a real job that, you know, they're not on, they're on time, they're dress appropriate. They're not slacking. They're this and that. Everything that, you know, comes with being a grown up. So I bring that to can't wear this on this day and this and that, you know, clean cut and everything is, you know, A-okay. You know, when it comes to rink, everybody's, everybody's excited to be at the rink. That's what I always bring to guys want to be there and, and want, are hungry to get better.
1: Yeah. No, without a doubt.
0: All right, guys, before we uh, keep talking about hockey, let's talk about the sponsor for this episode, and that's going to be DraftKings. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And if you're feeling lucky like Jordan Whitehead against a $2.7 million game quarterback, then you know who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Boyden, Ontario, see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. We want to thank DraftKings for sponsoring this episode. Let's go back to hockey.
1: What what are you most excited about when it comes to being a head coach uh, for San Diego? Obviously that's a, you, you coached last year for Long Beach, you're an assistant coach. Um, but, but what's, what's really got you excited about this team this year in San Diego and you're, you're heading it. So how, how is that, how is that making you feel?
2: Yeah, honestly, I'm, I'm over excited to have, you know, a lot more say in stuff and have my own, on my own systems and stuff like that. But it's more exciting to me to, you know, like I said, have my own call on stuff and mm-hmm. showing these kids, you know, to have them grow up, you know, it's development. You know, I, I that's the biggest thing in this, in this league. It's a great, great league. And sometimes of these kids come here and they need to develop more. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm excited about is having these kids move on to the next level. You know, Tyler that, last year did the a goal. great job. Yeah, exactly. And Tyler did a great job last year. San Diego, obviously Dominic. It's a great organization. And the day it's we want to win a championship, yes. That's the that's the but if I can move twelve kids on to, you know, tier two, tier one, I'm a lot happier than winning a championship. Uh-huh. but and the end goal obviously, yes. We wanted to win nationals. But having these kids move on and um, you know, what what I, what did I say, Heath? You know, to the guys, last couple of years, I always told the guys, I don't want to see your face next year. I want you mm-hmm. moving on to the next level. I don't want to see you like, you know. Obviously, I, I you know, I stay in contact with a lot of my players, uh, like yeah. Heath, and you know, and it's helping him out still. Obviously, me and Heath, I helped him out, you know, quite a bit. Get to college, you know, we had mm-hmm. some we had some hiccups along the way, but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's it's about these kids and. Um, that's what I'm excited about is is moving kids on, seeing them grow and develop into you know young men that are, you know excited about their next chapter in life. That's what I'm most excited about.
1: For sure.
0: So, so speaking of Heath, um, what was it like coaching Heath last year?
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. A laugh. The laugh. He starts about... with a laugh. Heath. Oh, that, that's never good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing I love about Heath is that it's 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 always. When he knows I'm coming down the ice with a puck, he knows I'm gonna go shoot on him or make a move or something. So it's because he never quits on on a play. He's one of the hardest workers that I've you know met, especially the goalie. You know, some guys obviously goalies are always hardworking, but Heath has had that level that he just want to keep going, going, going. So you know, I I wish he played more games for us. I think we would have been deeper maybe with the team with Heath, but, you know, that, you know, stuff happens. So I, I you know,
1: at the end of the day,
2: he's still one of, you know, one of my guys. And obviously, was, you know, we're still talking to this day and his, his family is great. And um yeah, it was, it was always fun with Heath. I'll tell you that. It was it was always good with Heath because he never gave up. He always wanted to keep going. That was my mm-hmm. favorite part about it.
1: I appreciate that. I really do. It's, uh, it's definitely a part of my game that, that I feel like uh, I really try to work on because, you know, obviously as a, as a player, uh, I think every player wants to see their goalie, not give up on a play. Um, there's been a couple of times where, you know, you're, you're sitting on the bench or you're backing up that game and you see a goalie, you know, maybe give up on a play and you're like, Oh, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't have given up on that. So, or, you know, you see them do it in practice and you know, whatever you do in practice creates habits for games. Right. So, it's definitely something where I I don't want to be, you know, if you're slacking off in practice, you're going to slack off in the games. Um, That's just, that's just how it is. Right. Practice makes habits. Right. So that, that's definitely something that, that, uh, that I worked on for sure. But, but going on that, you know, what, what's kind of the important characteristics you look for when you're trying to bring players onto this team. So obviously, you know, you, you had some sort of kind of telling, you know, Last season you were an assistant coach, so you may have had a little bit of say, but not that much. This season you're a head coach, so you can pull your own players in. What are those key important uh, characteristics you really look for to define your
2: squad? I mean, honestly, the first word, like you said, char- character, that's the biggest thing is characters. You know, we want we want good environment. You know, I have my handbook for these guys that gave them on Sunday, and the first word is positive vibes. You know, first, you know, it's it's positive vibes that around this team only you know we you know it's it's character guys that want to come in and work that's the biggest thing we, we can bring kids in that you know might not have the best skating abilities or the best hands we work on that that's what we say development right
1: mm-hmm. is teaching these
2: kids in the process but having a good attitude these kids want to be at the rink they want to learn they want to be better and that's what i look for the guys who are hungry who want to win who just want to play hockey and learn. And, you know, and they, you know, they'll get frustrated, but they won't let it affect their game and bring a negative attitude to the locker room. I think so far it's being the only coach here. It's, you no know, by myself, but these guys respect me enough. I told them, I respect you, you respect me. And the day there's no issues. You know,
1: mm-hmm. you know the
2: whole punch in, punch out, that's a big thing for us, is having those guys that are blue collared, ready to work ready to come in who are not, you know, I want this and that. If you guys are a team. You know, like you know, I like said the guy who was late, he skated a little bit, you know, it wasn't just one guy skating, it was the entire team. Mm-hmm. And they know how to they know how to be a team now. Know how to be a team together. And you know, you win a team, lose a team. So that's my biggest thing is character and and guys who are just hungry to hungry to learn. You know, it's there's no no nobody's game is perfect. Everybody can get better at Every
1: mm-hmm. thing. So, Love it. Yeah. Love it for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that, uh, you know, players playing at this level, junior hockey, whether that be, you know, tier three or even tier two and truthfully tier one, your actions are always being watched. Uh, scouts are always looking. They're, they're looking to see how you respond when you come into the rink. They're looking to see how you respond when things don't go your way on the ice. They're looking to respond how you communicate. Uh, with your coaches on the bench, with your fellow teammates, how you talk to the refs. Yeah. Uh, if you seem distracted in the game by maybe some fans, they're looking at all that stuff. And so, and if they're really, really deep diving on you, they're going to be watching your practices. They're going to be watching all of that good. They're going to want to know about your workout ethic. They're going to be contacting your coaches. And players, if you're listening, the coaches are going to be truthful to these scouts because they want that credibility to also move up in their careers. Coaches, want to be able to provide accurate information on players to the next level up. So if a a tier two coach is calling, you know, uh, Nick and they're like, hey, so tell me a little bit about this player. Well, you know, everybody wants to advance in their careers. And if you're not the hardest worker, that's that's going to be mentioned. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. it's believe it or not, like he's your coach. He's there to coach you. But at the end of the day, if you're not doing your job and you think it's not being seen, Somebody inquiring about you is going to know about that because that's what coaches have and what scouts have in this business and in all sports is their word. If they're providing crappy information, the next level up, it's like you—you you said this guy was the hardest worker. He was the first one in, last one out. I can't even get him to show up to uh, practice here now that we brought him into this—you know—this Division One team. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not going to call Coach Perez for future references. They're going to be like, "Well, his word doesn't mean anything, so we're not going to contact him anymore." So you don't think all those little, little, little nuances of how you treat people in like team houses or your billet families, you don't think that stuff's going to make it to the next level up, that they're just going to be scouting your stats on page and maybe a couple of your games Mm -hmm. Then you're fooling yourself, your attitude, everything, everything, everything. everything. And so I think it's important for players to hear that because at the end of the day, you have, if you show up or shut up, that's really kind of what it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, for, you, exactly. for sure. For sure. I've definitely, uh, at, at, coming from the player's perspective, I've definitely had a fair share of coaches um, reach out to former coaches of mine and stuff like that. And And there really is a truth to the hockey community is very tight knit. So if you're, if you have an attitude problem or something to that effect, it's going to go with you wherever you go. Um, you know, it's going to limit opportunities uh, definitely. So, I mean, they, they definitely take, they look at everything. They look at, you know, how are you treating the refs? How are you treating your coaches? Hey, if you get pulled in a game and you're a goalie, how do you react? Are you, you know, all puppy dog on the bench, like my dog just died, or are you getting the boys fired up again? Um, It's all those little things and those little aspects of, of being a professional, right? It's trying to be the ultimate professional and those, those players that are the ultimate professional typically move on to the next level. Um, You know, I've, I've heard coaches say I'd rather have a bunch of professionals on my team than have a bunch of stars. Uh, And that, that's just, that's just true uh, for, I think at at every level. And if it's not, then you're not looking at it the right way. That's for sure.
2: Yeah, exactly. And And like, sorry, sorry. That's, that's what Heath even said, you know. He's like talked about. That's the thing about Heath that I loved was, you know, he did start a game, he got pulled, but he came back to the bench. Was always positive. It was always like, all right, say, sorry, boys, that was on me. You know, let's get it back. And you know, and and you know, it's it's that responsibility he took on himself, but also to be responsible. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be positive here. I'm not gonna, just going to shut down and say, oh, screw this. I hate you know, I hate the team or. You guys suck. Thanks for letting in, you know, all these two on ones or breakaways, which did happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, he, he always, always, you know, was, always stood positive. And that's when, you know, coaches called me about, Heath, you know, the summer we talked about colleges and, you know, that's the one thing I always said. He was always positive. It was always he was always looking north. He was never looking south and, and never wanted to you know, look back on, on the past. He's always like, you know what? That's on me. Okay. It's over with now. Let's move forward. And that's mm-hmm. what, that's what I, I watch. Uh, you know, I, I watch tape on some of these guys that you know we've signed and I, I watch I watch them on tape and see what they're doing after a bad shift. I watch, you know, I go see what they're looking at on the bench. Are they slam their stick? Are they looking in their way? Are they yelling at the team? Those little things like that do me a lot. Like, we, you know, we talked about it's, I want a guy who's there to be positive, and you know who wants to play. And and you know when you get back to the, like, I always tell the guys too, when you get back from the shift, it's that shift's past now. Move forward. Don't let it affect your game. If you let affect your game, it's going to affect the entire, you know, the entire team. So, yeah. And 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 that's the thing. I I, I to a lot of these former, you know, coaches of these players too, and see what they're like off the ice, and that's the characters, guys and how they are. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think th- that's what the, those are the things you're looking for as a coach. You're looking for that character. And and again, it makes me reflect back. Uh, I say reflect back because I worked with uh, I basically was a podcast production manager for Neutral Zone, uh, the basically loudest scouting or large, largest, not loudest, probably the loudest and largest scouting organization mm-hmm. in uh, in North America. And we dropped eight podcasts. I don't know if they're planning to ever drop anymore. It's been over a year, but. The, the reason I bring that up is they, we, we, well, they talked to a lot of really, really amazing people in the hockey world and basically took that information and that knowledge. And especially if you're a player or a parent, listen to these podcasts. We only ever dropped eight episodes, but I'll drop some names in here and the people that they talked to first ever episode was with Mike Johnson of the Portland Winter Hawks. Mm-hmm. and he yeah. talks about the, the emphasis of the locker room. Then he moves on to James Boyd of the Ottawa 67s, and we also talk with uh, Tom Ward of Shattuck St. Mary's, uh, Brian Putnam of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Joe Exter of Michigan State Spartans, Mark Toof, who's an SPM agent and client advisor, Blaze McDonald of the Colby Mules, and then um, ex nhl himself uh, there with Mario Lemieux, Ian Moran, director of NHL scouting, and they all they all say the same thing in very different ways. And especially, if I remember particularly the episode with Brian Putnam. And get, go ahead, listen to those episodes. They're all about an hour long. But trust me, from editing them, it was a couple hours of conversation. So if you're listening to an hour and 12-minute episode, that for me was probably five hours of listening to get it down to an hour and 12 minutes and really give the bulk of that conversation the highlight. But that's the stuff I just feel that couldn't be trimmed from an episode like that you listen to the information that these professionals like brian putnam who literally if you didn't know that drafted jonathan quick for the los angeles kings uh-huh. um, wow and uh and he was debating between him and uh oh boy he just retired he was with uh dallas and they got injured and buffalo picked him up oh
1: um, uh be- mm. he yeah was
0: with dallas yeah right he was with dallas he got injured he was with, I think it was a Tampa, then Dallas. He got injured and then Buffalo took the rest of his contract. Ben Bishop, Bishop. okay, yes. So yes. it was Bishop. Uh, he was really heavily debating between Quick and Bishop, and he's like, just Quick impressed me more. He's like, he's like it was really just like kind of almost – well, you have to listen to the episode. I'm not going to put words in Brian Putnam's mouth. But he listened to those episodes, and he specifically talked about some talented players he wouldn't mention, that he's like, yeah, players extremely talented, somebody that Tampa was definitely interested in. But when they looked at the, the character of the player – He's like, it was an easy pass. At the end of the day, that's not somebody that Tampa, or at that point, I think with Los Angeles or now Tampa, that's not somebody that Tampa wants in the organization. So he might be an amazingly skilled player, but that's not the character we want in this organization. We rather have players that help continue to build this da- dynasty and not players that are thinking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So
1: exactly.
2: characters are
0: extremely. Yeah. And- so everyone give a listen to those. And hopefully, NutraZone boys, uh, you guys actually want to keep going with these because they were super fun to listen to. Now that, like, I guess we'll wrap this podcast up because we've talked for, like, 75 minutes before the podcast. But what is the most difficult part of being a coach, especially during this time of the season?
2: Um, a- a- everything is just coming down to, you know, to the, you know the, the start of it too, right? So everybody's antsy, It's uh, getting the guys calm and, and knowing we're here for a reason, you know, I, I I tell the guys, you guys have one job right now. Some guys, you know, have jobs. Your job right now is hockey. At the end of the day, we're all a like, getting Like the guys, like I said, the guys don't want to work and they want to win. So to me, it's just getting everybody focused. You know, learning the systems and putting into place, and that's it. You know, it's I love it. Obviously, I, I live for this game, and I'm glad and I'm excited to be a part of this as a head coach and it's a unique experience. That's for sure to say that as a head coach. I love it. But yeah, getting the guys ready, you know, calm down and not over- when it comes to a game that overthinking stuff is being calm. So, mm-hmm.
0: well, we're definitely going to be uh, watching this season. Uh, and it all you players and coaches. So, so talking to you here, Nick, um, and GMs, uh, I'm going to have a very busy first couple months. So if you uh, make an amazing save or an amazing goal, don't assume I've seen it. Um, I don't know what country I'll be in day to day, not going to lie. So definitely feel free to reach out and let me know what your highlights look like. You don't have to send me the video if you can't figure that out. But at least if you know what the time is going to be on Flow Hockey, send me the video time. Send me the game date. And I will absolutely watch that clip and, and yeah. try to give you a shout out. Don't be upset if a guy on Lake Tahoe has a highlight number one that you thought you <laughs> were better, but you never reached out to me because I didn't see it. Um, yeah. Once my life settles down and we pick a home location here, hopefully in three or four or five or six months or maybe three years, I'll be able to actually see how the season unfolds. But uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be watching coach. We're really excited for you to drop some names on the roster here very
2: soon. Yes, as we're going to start. I will. No, it's a no, I promise you. Yeah, next week, and you know, next week, we'll we drop a name. So I promise you guys, that it will be out. I know you guys are doing draft, and Keith will text me about it. Like, oh, come on, who, who's going to draft? And I was like, gotta wait, man. Gotta wait. You gotta
1: wait until free agency. Now San Diego's not yeah. going. We you just yeah, hear, folks? San Diego yeah. will not be <laughs> represented in the initial draft. Uh that's okay. That's okay, that's okay. Honestly, right. honestly, Chris, we, may, we might have to leave a spot. Uh, you know, we may maybe we we leave oh, an uh, Heath. I think
0: there's I I think there's going to be a bunch of us that uh, it's the, like last season, the 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 fantasy draft is going to we're going to have some calibration in the beginning of the season. Players are going to mm-hmm. choose college, players are going to be cut or honestly be ch- just choose to move on to a different league. We're going to have opening availability, and that's where mm-hmm. we might be able to snag a, um, a saber. But uh, if you're on the sabers and you're wondering why you're not being drafted, that's why. Yeah. So uh, we don't see <laughs> yeah, you yet. No, and no. honestly, some of you yeah. players out there, I have seen your messages. I'm just choosing not to respond to them. If, if someone uh, wants to draft you, they'll draft you. If we don't draft you, prove us wrong. I'm serious. Prove us wrong. If you don't get picked seriously. up, it doesn't mean we didn't scout you. I have a list of 118 names now, yeah. 118 <laughs> that I trimmed down from over 150 now. And I only am allowed 15 players. So I probably put my eyes on you, but we have rules. I can't draft 15 Provo Predators. I can't draft 15 San Diego Sabres. We have rules. So we might see you, but we just might not be able to draft you. And, if again, maybe that's the the fire you need under your ass right there is – to prove us wrong and we love being proven wrong there's plenty of players that proved us wrong last year and we love seeing it prove us wrong and we'll pick you up <laughs> free agency yes. happens to us all so, it uh, does
1: it does yeah.
0: but uh we do um, want to thank our yeah. special guests oh go ahead
2: no no sorry yeah i was gonna thank you guys i appreciate it um i gotta run i got on the ice with you guys so i appreciate you guys' time obviously and hopefully we'll we'll chat soon about you know the roster i guess so um but yeah thanks for your time guys i really appreciate it it was fun definitely do it again
1: of course of course go have a good practice uh (laughs) work the boys hard get them going oh i am i am yep it's a friday so
2: they have they have tomorrow off so i'll I'll give them that lots of skating (laughs) skating lots of skating eh? oh no exactly Yep. my favorite
1: boys worst nightmare oh no
2: (laughs) are you going no pucks or pucks no, I'm, I'm definitely doing plus for the first half. That's all right, half we're month. good then. We're good then. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. I well, appreciate it, guys. We'll, we'll talk soon, all right? Thank you.
0: Sounds good. And we want to thank the head coach of US Patriot Premier, San Diego Sabres, Nick Perez, for jumping on with us today. We also want to thank all of you listeners for tuning in. Be sure to reach out if you're in the junior, collegiate, or hockey world and want to get on a future podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media, X, TikTok, and Instagram to stay up to date. Uh, that said, this was the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Chris and Heath.
1: Thanks, hockey fans.
0: And remember, listeners, always clear your crease.